Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and today we get to talk to Sylvan Kalash. And Sylvan is the co-founder of the Holburton School, and they have quite an interesting business model. They have a two-year program to train people to become software developers, and it's free. So instead of tuition, the school takes, I think, a 17% cut of the first three years of salary. So it's a pretty brilliant idea. So I'm excited to learn more about where Sylvan wants to take the Holburton School and because uh, their model really seems like it can be the future of uh, education in many ways. So, Sylvan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, can you tell us a little about your uh, background before you started Holborn School? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I have a degree in computer science as uh, I studied in France. And I continued in China, where I stayed for one year. And then I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, where I um, graduated. And um, I started my career uh, working for SlideShare, uh, which is uh, basically uh, YouTube for PowerPoint. Uh, at the time I joined, uh, it was a very small startup. Uh, I was the only software engineer uh, in wow. the U.S. office. Yeah, it's like it was like quite small. Uh-huh. And um, and then uh, we we got acquired by LinkedIn, uh, where I stayed for three years. And since uh, about two years, uh, I started Holberton School. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I read someplace that you like to uh, you like to travel a lot. And uh, and how many cities have you have you lived in? So yeah, that's like a big part of my life. For the first 17 years uh, of my uh, childhood, I moved 11 times. Um, then I moved uh, to China, and then uh, I, I settled down since then in, in, in the Bay Area. Okay. And what uh, what was one of your uh, favorite cities uh, to live in, do you think? So, you know, it depends, I think, of uh, the time of your life. Um, when, True. when I was a teenager, I, I enjoyed living in China, which, uh, you know, like is, is a boom, booming society country. And, um, you know, like there is a lot of, uh, party going on and a lot of foreigners. And, um, it also opened my mind, like it, it made me uh, like a better human, uh, because I, I had the opportunity to uh, discover another culture, you know, like uh, the way people behave and are polite and, um, it's totally different from, you know, our occidental society. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed this as a teenager. I, you know, I was building, um, you know, myself and becoming an adult. Um, now that I'm a young working professional, um, you know, working in the tech industry, right? Like uh, the San Francisco Bay Area is just like the perfect place for me to live. Uh, just because uh, you have among, um, you know, the best mind and companies in the tech industry, and also, California is a, an amazing state uh, in terms of uh, culture and nature. So, you know, like, I think now, like, San Francisco is kind of, of my hometown. And do you think, I, I was curious, because uh, with San, so for San Francisco, it's, uh, I, I would feel like if you started the Holborn School anywhere else in the United States, it would stand out even more. <laughs> Just because, you know, there's so much stuff going on in San Francisco. 
and kind of get crowded or but um but it sounds like for you it it's the best place to start it and i was curious why yeah actually that's a very good point and even like you know like many entrepreneurs are like yeah you should start your startup in san francisco the truth is that it's very expensive to operate here and there is a lot of competition right so uh, that's actually very tough um why we started holberton here uh, it's because um a big part of holberton is uh, based on community uh, community uh, is something that is powering uh, the school you know like um we are um like working a lot with um you know professional uh, who are, who are like working in the tech industries you know like software engineer project manager designer journalist investor recruiter and so on you name it right and uh, these people are uh, what we call mentors, uh, they are um, volunteering for the schools, and they are here for two main reasons. And the first one is to um, guide students um, to get into the tech industry. Right? Most most of our students have no prior uh, programming knowledge. Um, they used to be teachers, they used to be food pickers, they, they used to be cashiers, they used to be musicians, and so you know it's a totally new world for them. And having mentors. Coming at the school and sharing the, their experience is very valuable for them. And the second mission of our community of mentors is to guide the school, right? So um, I'm out of the tech industry, right? I was working for LinkedIn as a software engineer two years ago, but few years down the road, I'm I'm gonna be a dinosaur in the tech industry. Right? Like <laughs> I'm, I won't know I won't know what's up, right? And so we like the way we think about Holberton is that once once you go to Holberton, then you get a job, right? So you need to you need to acquire the skills, the tools, and the concepts that are used in the tech industry. And like, there is nothing better than you know, like, basically um, asking um, the professional who are working in the tech industry to help us to craft and update our curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finally, there, there is a high demand for software engineer uh, in, in San Francisco in the Bay Area, around fifty thousand. Um, and, you know, we want, we, we, like, Holberton is focusing on um, training high-quality software engineer. Like, that's our niche, right? And so, um, you know, the, the need for highly skilled software engineer is very important in, in San Francisco. So that's, like, the two main reasons why we, we chose to start here. Okay. And uh, and why did you uh, why did you start the Holberton School? Like, what... Uh... Did you? How did you get the idea, and, you know, and then how how did you take the initiative to actually start it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, like getting in, in in education is not something I'm I'm dreaming of since like you know a decade or so. But um, I well, so when I was working for SlideShare, and you know, I told you like when I joined, I was the only software engineer in the U.S. office, and obviously we were recruiting. And it was very hard to find talent, like very hard to attract candidates and very hard uh, to find good candidates, right? And I was like, oh, it's because, you know, we are surrounded by Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and they all have amazing perks, uh, amazing compensation. And so, um, you know, like SlideShare is not about to offer all these perks, right? Uh, so that's why we cannot find talent. And then uh, down the road, we got acquired by LinkedIn, uh, which is, you know, this amazing company with like a huge reach, a great perks, a great salary, like everything you can dream of. And it was also hard to find um, talent, like super hard. And I noticed one thing, uh, is that, uh, in both companies, um, 
we we would interview like a lot of early graduates. Uh, for some of them, they spent like half a decade uh, studying, uh, spending for some of them hundreds thousands of dollars, and now that debt, and they were not ready to take on a job. And I knew about an alternative education methodology, which is uh, called progressive education, uh, which is basically focusing on learning by doing. And that's a methodology that uh, is partially used by some institutions in Europe uh, who happen to train like great software engineers who are no, now working in the Bay Area for like the top companies that, you know, like Apple, Dropbox, and, and so on. And so, you know, I was like, like, I think there is something to do. Like there must be something to do in the U.S. Uh, the, the demand is so huge, right? Like, uh, and so with my friend uh, and now co-founder, uh, Julien Barbier, we, you know, we brainstormed about this for like two years. And then we are like, you know what, like it's time to, to quit our job and, and to start a school. Hmm. So, and we'll, we'll get into the, well, I guess, uh, I guess tell us about it. And then I, I'll ask my questions just so people understand what you guys do. Can you just uh, give us a, yeah. Yeah, a brief, brief overview? So Holberton is, is a two-year program. It's an alternative to college. Uh, we are training uh, what we call full-stack software engineers. Uh, it's basically software engineers, but who have like you know solid foundation. They are not specialized, um, and uh, it's it's a project-based and peer learning uh, methodology, uh, meaning that we have no formal teachers and no formal lectures. Students learn by uh, practicing, working on projects, and collaborating with their peers. Uh, who can be classmates or mentors. Um, so think about it about like basically like a work environment, uh, but uh, we know where, where you are becoming a software engineer. Gotcha. And and what type of a uh, um, structure is it? Is it, I think I read it's like nine months of like training and then there's an internship and on the job. And how does that work? Yeah. So it's uh, basically split it into uh, three parts. Uh, the first nine months are on site in San Francisco, where we bring students from absolutely zero programming uh, knowledge to uh, being able to get an internship. Um, but it turns out that most of our students get a job, but the goal is an internship. And then, um, so they work or intern in a company for six months. Um, and then uh, there is a nine months remaining where they can either come back full time at the school or uh, keep their job and do it part-time. Mm. Uh, a lot of our students are keeping their job, you know. Um, and, and so we accept anyone. Uh, you do not need a degree. You do not need a GPA. You do, you do not need, um, you know, like prior um, programming experience or math or physics or any sort of thing like that. Uh, we are open to anyone who is above 18 years old. Um, and the application process is fully automated. Um, so, you know, we, we completely remove like uh, discrimination and human bias. Wow. And, and how, how many students do you have at a time and, uh, what's your acceptance rate? Uh, so the, the acceptance rate is quite low. Uh, it's, it's between two to 3%. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, it's harder than Harvard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's harder than Harvard, but it's not, so it's, it's not a goal, first of all, right? And yeah. that's not our vision. Uh, but one one of the, like, um, I would say, 
limiting factor for us is uh, real estate. Uh, rent is very expensive in the city. Uh, so we, we unfortunately cannot accept as as many students as we we wished. Um, and also, um, we, you know, like we think that there is not one one type of education that will fit everybody. And uh, Holberton uh, is, is hard. Is will fit a lot of people, but will also not fit a lot of people, right? Um, and so our, our application process is fair um, and is not, um, you know, discriminating based on how how you did in your life. Like we don't care about. How you perform, uh, you know, in your studies, or how you perform in your job, or what's your financial situation, right? We we don't take any of this into consideration. Um, we select, um, alors, our algorithm algorithm select um, based on motivation, talent, and ability to collaborate. That's the only three things that um, you know we are selecting uh, based wow. on. And, and and then we just take the best, you know, that, that like every every student, every candidate get a score, and then we take the best. And um, it turns out that a lot of people are interested by this type of education. That's why we have such low acceptance rate. Well, it sounds like the algorithm is a a big component, at least on the, the enrollment and selection. So, how do you uh, uh, understand somebody's motivation? In the kind of an automated mm -hmm. process. So it's it's a whole process uh, where um, basically like motivation is is tested through um, like a long and energy consuming application process. Like it's it's not just like a regular application process where you fill a form, uh, you check few few boxes, and then you are done, right? Like that's something where uh, you you have to spend like it's intense of hours, uh, depending on you know how. Uh, well and how quick you can perform the task, uh, but you know it can go up to 50 hours of, of work. Um, and the way we assess basically um, talent, ability to collaborate, and motivation is by uh, placing our candidates through um, a project that is very similar to a Holberton one. Um, so the goal is for candidates to create their first website. And they have to connect on a Linux machine, you know, using the terminal so that the black windows, you know, that you see in, you see in movies. But this time, candidates are really using it, right? And uh, you might be, yeah, it's too hard. You must have knowledge. No, no, no. At the beginning, like at the beginning, we guide them a lot, right? We we tell them exactly where they should click. You know, if this is this message and it's normal, they should, um, you know, read this piece of documentation. Everything is very detailed so that basically you just need to follow the instruction, right? And the more we go, the less instruction we give. But the key is that in software, um, you know, like let's say you want to use one command and you need to look at, at the documentation so that you know how to use it. It's going to be always the same for other commands, right? So at the beginning, we, we, we tell the student, like we give them all, all the information they need. The more we go, the less info we, we give. And they have to reuse pieces of information as they learned. And they also need to basically go on the internet um, to find like other pieces of information, which is pretty much what a software engineer will do yeah. all their life, right? Like uh, it's basically f figuring th things out, right? Uh, and then we have a forum where uh, basically uh, student, student and candidate can collaborate. And out of this process, we can clearly see the basically the candidate uh, who would do well and the one who would not mm -hmm. do well. And generally, there are like two two groups. 
Um, because I think it's also a great selection process for candidates to understand is software engineering something that would fit me and is Holberton as the type of education that fits me, right? Uh, because I think many people think that, you know, software is sexy because I uh, you know like uh, they see all these cool companies, like great salaries and, but you know, it's at the end, it's not, it might not like it, right? So uh, by doing a Holberton application process, they really start to basically uh, experience and learn computer science. You know, they are building their first website. They can show it uh, to their relative and friends. And some of them realize that it's not for them, right? Um, so most of our candidates who go through, they have a blast. Like they love it. You know, they're like, oh, this is amazing. You know, I'm, start, yeah. um, I'm already starting to be a software engineer. You know, it's great. And then we have the second boot group who after like few tasks, they, they just drop out. Oh, wow, that's clever. You guys thought through that. That's in, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it must yeah. have taken a little while to develop that. Um, so I yeah. So how many students do you have at a time? Um, so generally, we have two batches at the same time. Okay. Uh, the the batch go from twenty to thirty. Okay. Uh, and and the goal of having two batches is that um, the junior can learn from the senior and the senior can practice at sharing uh, their knowledge and, and, you know, working on their collaboration skills. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. That makes sense. And, uh, and how, um, can you tell us a little bit about the business model? You know, I mentioned at the beginning that it's free, but then you take a cut to the salary for the first three years or so. Um, is that right? Or can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's correct. Um, so basically, um, let's take a step back and basically like think about what is post-secondary education, right? Uh, so my definition of post-secondary education is a, a period, period of time where students are being trained to enter the professional life. And so they should be, they should be learning skills. Uh, that can make them employable, um, and so they can basically get a job, get an income, and and you know like be a part of our society, right? Um, some would argue that post-secondary education is to make good citizen, and that you know you should learn about philosophy, history, and politics, and all of this. I think that's great, but until we have universal revenues, uh, if you cannot find a job and earn money, then you know, you cannot survive in our society. Yeah. So, right. So, and a, and, so a lot, and a lot of that you can learn on your own. You know, it's it's easier. And then you, yeah, it's easier to learn about politics by reading books than it is necessary software development. <laughs> totally opinion. agree. Totally, yeah. totally agree. And I mean, like you can disagree or not, but like once you have money, it solves a lot of issue, right? Like once you have money, yes. you can, as you say, you can buy books, you can educate yourself, yeah. right? Uh, but without money, even if you know everything about. Uh, you know, the history of, uh, you know, Greece or whatever, like, it, unfortunately, it won't bring any, any food <laughs> on the table. But, <laughs> so, so yeah, so if we take this definition of post-secondary education, that it's supposed to train individuals to enter the workforce, then I think it is, um, basically fair to, um, like, basically rate or evaluate the success of the school based on, the success of their students entering the workforce, right? And this means, are the students getting a job and what is their compensation? What is their salary? And so that's how we do at Holberton. Uh, there is no upfront tuition, uh, meaning that students don't pay anything uh, before or during the school. 
they only um, basically participate uh, to uh, financially back to the school when they find a job. And as you said, uh, it's 17% uh, of their salary uh, for three years. Uh, and we only take a cut if they have a job, right? So let's say, you know, uh, they don't find a job for three months, then we don't, um, you know, take anything for three months. If they find a job and then after a year and a half, they decide, you know what, I want to change my company or I want to take a break, it's the same, like the payment is paused. Um, so it's like, it's, and the success of the school is proportional to the success of our students, right? We basically, sh we share the success. Uh, and I think that like, like school, more schools should be like that. Yeah, no, exactly. Because uh, you want to make sure they're trained. I mean, and a big part of it is just the enrollment, right? It's kind of like if you go to Harvard undergrad, people know that you have you're you're probably pretty smart. It's the same thing with your school. Like you're doing a good job screening, so that companies don't have to screen, <laughs> right? You're you're doing the screening, and uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they screen yeah. some, but you know, you, you're you're doing you're putting the whole burden blessing on somebody which is uh, probably as valuable as anything. Um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there is an application process and then you have to go through the curriculum. So yeah. then everything is done by project. So there is not a single lecture, right? Like, I think it's hard for people to understand this, but we have no formal lecture. It doesn't mean that there is no interaction and there is no, uh, there is no, like, workshop where, you know, you can explain things, but there is nothing formal, like lecture, like sit for eight hours listening to a teacher. There is no such thing. Uh, but students are, like, constantly learning by project where everything is graded, right? Because, like, computer will grade their code and analyze and, and then put a grade, and they have to maintain, like, a certain percentage. Um, so not only, you know, like, company can um, trust our application process, but also the curriculum is a constant, like, is constantly, the students are constantly rate, uh, rated. Um, and, um, you know, like, this way they are sure that when they employ them, uh, they have the skills um, to basically be um, efficient right away. Mm, wow. Okay. And uh, um, what, what percent of the students that you've seen so far actually get a job? And what percent of those? And do you see most of them, you know, staying there? I guess mm -hmm. three years. I guess, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So the school exists. Uh, like our first batch started in January 2016. Okay, so, so we didn't <laughs> graduate. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty pretty uh, recent. So you don't know yet, for sure. And so, <laughs> yeah, we don't know yet, but we have we already have numbers and we already have success stories. Um, so all students who went through um, Holberton uh, curriculum and were looking for an opportunity found one. Uh, we have students who found internship. Most of our students found jobs. And for some of them, it's in prestigious company. We have uh, NASA, we have Docker, Dropbox, Apple, and actually one of our students recently found a job at LinkedIn. Wow. Um, so after nine months, uh, they managed to you know get into these great companies. Um, so we we are pretty happy about uh, these early results. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's exciting. And uh, uh, yeah, and kind of where do you want to take? Holberton, like, do you want to expand the number of students in San Francisco, expand the locations? Do you want to partner with people or go into new technologies? Yeah. What, or like over the next five years, what would your ideal be if you could do it? 
Yeah, so, so the school that we built now is kind of a prototype of what we want to achieve. Uh, one thing that we have to understand about our education today is that it doesn't scale. So, you know, you, you spoke about Harvard, who is obviously doing a great job at educating people, right? Like you cannot say like Ivy League institutions, they are um, producing like among, you know, like um, the, the best leader and workers. But the issue with, with this type of education is that it's relying on something that kind of scale, which is teachers, right? Like let's say you want to replicate Harvard, um, you know, in Detroit, for example, you can't because you cannot, you cannot clone humans, right? You cannot <laughs> uh, clone the teacher and bring in Detroit. Right? You can so, um, like Harvard can only can only train a small amount of people, uh, which is usually an elite financially, or people who are doing very, very, very well in the current education system, which is based on passive learning, where you are supposed to absorb knowledge, you know, during this lecture, and it doesn't fit a lot of people. And so we need to find a way to basically provide a quality education at low cost um, to the most. Like today, there is half a million jobs that are unfilled in the tech industry. Half a million. It's, wow. it's huge. Uh, and if you take the number of um, of the U.S. CTO, uh, Megan Smith, uh, within the next decade, it's going to grow to one million. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just impressive, right? And on the other side, you have like a lot of, um, you know, Americans who are not getting the education as they would like to receive because it's too expensive, uh, you know, because um, it's not available in the area and so on. And Holberton is basically solving this issue because we are not relying on teachers to provide a quality education. The quality of our education is re relying on its methodology. And it's something that you can scale. Mm -hmm. Basically, if we want to open, now we're in San Francisco, if we want to open in New York, um, we would provide like a very similar quality of education, if not identical. And we can train 100 students the same way we would train 500 students or 1,000 students. And so, you know, you ask me, where do you want? Where do you want to see Holberton in the next five years? Uh, in the, like within the next five years, I'd like to train like multiple thousands of people at a time, mm -hmm. uh, if not more, if I can, right? Like uh, let's see, let's see how it goes. But um, the idea is really to to scale um, Holberton nationally, and then also like why not like going international? Um, so that that's like the vision of the school. What about uh, new uh, disciplines, like, you know, whether it's uh, robotics or, and I can't think of any other interesting areas, but, you know, outside of software development. I mean, it's all kind of software related, but there's definitely other uh, disciplines. But Yeah, I think, I think you're onto something that's a very good question. So, uh, Holberton is providing two main things for students. The first one is uh, the skills that you need to find a job, um, you know, after nine months or after two years, you know, like, uh, so that, you know, you can right away get into the workforce. And the second big value that you don't get out of Holberton is the ability to learn, the ability to grab new skills, new tools by themselves. When students are uh, studying at Holberton, they are the one becoming software engineer. They are the one reading the documentation. They are the one going online finding the pieces of knowledge they need, learning the tools they need to achieve changes, right? We are not doing the, them, uh, we are not doing the work for them, right? We are just guiding them. 
And so by doing so, they are developing self-teaching me- mechanisms that they can pretty much reuse all their life to learn new stuff, right? And, you know, you were asking me, Sylvain, can you basically extend this to other um, type of work? Totally. Because today, being a software engineer is very valuable and there is a lot of uh, jobs in the area. But who knows, maybe in you know, 10, 10 years, 15 years down the road, artificial intelligence will do, will do this better than humans. And being a software engineer will be obsolete, right? We will not need software engineer anymore. And so the whole Bertrand students will need to learn something new to, to basically get onto, onto the new opportunities. We don't know what they are, right? We don't know what the, the next generation of jobs but we do know that it's require, it will require some skills that, you know, they don't know. But if you are, if, if you have this growth mindset, if you are able to, to learn stuff by yourself, it's not going to be an issue for our students. They will do what they did at Holberton today, you know, and they will become whatever the market needs. Um, so, so I think, you know, for the, like the few decades to come, I'm, I'm sure that software engineering is, is some, something safe, right? Where, um, you know, like like learning these skills will last for a while, but moving forward, we we might extend to other type of skill. And you you spoke about robotic; uh, it could be artificial intelligence, but you know, you could also think about uh, surgery or trading. Or like, there are a lot of jobs, like plenty of jobs with software engineering, where learning by doing is relevant. Huh. Interesting. Did you say? Wait. Did you say surgery? Yeah, surgery, like, right? Like, why not? Like, actually, um, I have a friend, she's working in Canada yeah. as a nurse. Yeah. And she she also became a nurse uh, through learning by doing. Uh, and it's pretty much like very progressive education. So um, two days, in, like the first day of the week, uh, they would meet to discuss um, a patient uh, case. So they would get data about someone who was sick. And they had to basically, uh, by Friday, um, come up with a work that, uh, where they would basically try to find clues about what, what was the problem for this patient, right? Mm. Um, and so then two days in the week, they would uh, basically go to the, to the hospital and, and work, you know, like, like regular nurses. And then on Friday, they would uh, meet back. And as a group, you know, they would brainstorm and collaborate and, and find um, you know, kind of a diagnosis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which which is very similar of what, with what Holberton students are doing. You know, they are working in groups. Uh, you know, we are giving them problem, and then uh, they have to, you know, find like the, the information they need to to perform the task. So uh, it's already used in Canada for for uh, nursing, and I'm sure it could be extended to to other uh, type of skills. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, let's see. We're getting almost running out of time here but a, a couple more questions uh, more on the personal side I, I was curious uh um you know what do you like to do uh outside of Holbert it sounds like you like uh, the school quite a bit so you probably don't have a lot of free time but what if you do what do you, what do you enjoy doing or what do you like to do get away yeah yeah you are right like uh <laughs> I, I i spend most most of my time like evenings, weekends, like walking for the school. I think it's, uh, you know, like I, I never understand people who are saying, yeah, you should not walk a lot. You should walk smart. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. sure. But like, like ultimately, like you need to, you need to spend like a lot of time, like yeah. 
at work. Like there is no way to to get stuff done by just walking smart. But anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> that's um, good, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I definitely love to uh, discover new cultures. Uh, that's something that I think I I get from my early childhood, where you know I was basically um, changing my city every one to two years, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of kind of afraid of routine, and and I think that basically clicked uh, with me. So I, I love to travel. Um, I think uh, like many people, but uh, the style of travel is more. I'm more focused to, toward like like experiencing the lifestyle, and so one of the things I'd like to do in my life uh, is to basically be able to work, to work and live in, um, you know, in period of few months in some places in the world, like maybe once a year. You know, let's say, um, you know, in 2018 I live in Thailand for three months, and then in 2019 I live in Japan for three months, and something like this, like really to experience, you know, the what's like to you know, to be part of a culture, you know, for humans. Um, for now, I cannot do this, so I, I just travel for a few weeks. Uh, and I think that nature uh, is something that I'm getting closer and closer to. I think the, it helps it helps me to reconnect and to uh, get get back to Earth. Um, you know, like in our life, um, we are over connected. You know, like too much notification. It's like like the reason is, is very intense, and when I go when I go in nature, I like really like release all of all of the stress and and kind of uh, recharge uh, you know my batteries like like my energy you know bucket and um, so yeah hikes and mountain biking in nature is like something that I enjoy to do. Hmm. Interesting and how and how long does it take? Because yeah, I, I'm a big. Uh proponent of nature too and uh, i think that's uh you know when we were growing up or when the when there were humans twenty thousand years ago or ten thousand years ago like they spent you know 95 percent of the day in nature right and then all of a sudden we're spending you know maybe one percent of our time in nature now and so there's mm-hmm. some disconnect yeah. there and uh you know I, I, i've always wondered like i wonder what their blood pressures were when they were uh because like when you go out on Nate's side, it feels like your blood pressure just drops, right? And it's just like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe you should have your school out. You should have outdoor classes someday. Um, but uh, no, but I was uh, I, but how long does it take you like to go like if you're to get really relaxed out in nature? Like, is it within mm. an hour or is it within? A, do you have to spend a full day or? And it probably depends how relaxed you're gonna get, but. What, when does your bot battery kind of fully reach, or at least almost fully recharged? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think one of, I mean, it's kind of like ironic, but basically, if there is no cell phone coverage, oh. then then you cannot get distracted with emails and notifications and text message and like the thing is, there is always something going on, and uh, you know, if your if your like smartphone has coverage, then it's always tempting to. You know, I would like check it out very quickly, and then you get into into stuff. So, like it, for me, it can be like a few days. Um, you know, if I have no cell phone coverage, um, but ultimately, if, um, even if I spend two weeks, but I I still check my phone, I I have the feeling that it's not working. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, I I love going to Yosemite because there is no <laughs> cell phone coverage. <laughs> 
And I, I love like when I went to Nepal because uh, they all, like they have like they have electricity six hours a day, so like don't think about cell phone coverage, you know. Um, so I, like to me, it's about not necessarily the time, but the quality of the disconnection, if I can say, <laughs> uh, that like really matters. So yeah, get, get, getting out of the the electronics and emails and stuff like this is matters to me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I've never tried this, but I wonder how it'd be. Like going downtown San Francisco, or I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, but and uh, with just without your cell phone, and uh, for like mm-hmm. a few hours, and see if it if you feel better when he uh, versus like having your, that phone in your pocket <laughs> always on. It wouldn't be as nice as going like Yosemite, but um, but yeah, it does not, yeah it, I've never tried that. <laughs> it, it does not, scary. but I'm sure you. <laughs> yeah, you would. I'm no, it is. I'm sure you would know this stuff that you yeah. like. You know, like look in the street, like look in the public transport, like just or in Uber or Lyft or whatever, like people that are like staring at, at their phone like nonstop, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm part of them, and sometimes I'm like, okay, like let's stop, you know, like let. And you know, like it, I don't know if it's an issue of our century before people were reading newspaper, and you know, the euro is a way to kind of distract yourself. Uh, but you know, I think we are really becoming addict to basically getting this, um, like this notification and like constant flow of information that's feeding our, um, you know, like basically pleasure, you know, like, and, and I think we cannot get off of it. So yeah. I would challenge you to do this and let me know how it goes. Right. Yes, I, I will do that. <laughs> but it's so, but it sounds scary. Cause it's like, well, what if my car breaks down or you know, like I used to never do that. Right. When it back in my day, cause yeah. I'm a little older. So like back in high school, we didn't have cell phones. So, but, uh, you know, now, now I can't leave home without it, but yes, I will do that. And I'll report back. Yeah. So. <laughs> did, 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 did your car ever ever break? Yeah, exactly. Right, a car did, did not. So like that's the thing; it's ne- it never breaks down. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Well, so, the one time, but no, no yeah. I should. Tr- I'll I'll try that. And uh, with 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 if you could uh, put Paris in a bottle, right? That's what you say. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal oh yeah that'd be wonderful um all right well uh sylvan this has been uh, awesome and uh i really like what you guys are doing and uh, uh sometimes i get a little a little jealous coming because you have such a good idea and so i really hope you guys do well and spread it across the united states and the world over time and uh help a lot of people yeah, um, that's what uh, you know. We are working hard to do. I, I think one challenge we have with Holberton is to, as you say, uh, get the world out there, and basically convince you know the whole society that this new type of education is is worth it. And I think education is something that uh, is close to any one of us because we've we've been to school. Our parents have been to schools and. Then, you know, you need to also convince parents and governments for regulation and companies and banks, you know, if people want to take loan and so on and so on. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting challenge, but so far we, we are doing great. So yeah, um, but, let's hope it continues this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I was doing the numbers and, uh, I don't know if we want to end on this, but you know, the, you take 17% and they make a hundred thousand 
out of the gate. That's you know, it's or three years, it's fifty one thousand they pay you, but that's like nothing because you guys are taking a, a huge amount of risk. Like so, like you know, it's it's a uh, you know, you're they have a lot of upside and you have a lot of downside if they don't get a job or they don't, you know, they get a $10,000 a year job. Then. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's cheap, but yeah. You know. No, no. I mean, ultimately the school will be a success if we, if we succeed at what we are doing financially, it's, uh, we are not a non-profit, but we are very social oriented. Yeah. And we are not a non-profit because we really want to, basically we really want to scale this up and provide this to as much and most people as possible. And working as non-profit, uh, like, you know, on donation or something like this is not something that scales. No, no. Um, but also that's why, you know, our initial process is, is so small because, um, because we cannot, we, we, we take risk, as you said, a lot of risk and, and we, we just want to make sure that we are not wasting any, any time, uh, anyone's time and, and money. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, so and thanks for uh, taking the time to chat, and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to see how you guys are doing. And I'll report back to you on uh, my non not taking my cell phone for a, a few hours and see how that goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. And definitely. And thanks everyone for listening to our episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Sylvan. Thanks everyone. Bye. Hey, Sylvan. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, that was awesome. That was really good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got the, you got you have the good energy and uh obviously you like what you're doing a lot, so it's uh yeah, it's really cool what you're doing. I mean I think it's quite if you can make it work financially, oh man, that's brilliant because you can help a lot of people out and because uh, like, so many people need to go back for like technical training, right? They graduate with all these degrees that aren't technical and then they're like, Oh <laughs> what do I do now? And so yeah, yeah. yeah we, you know what? We have a lot of people who are actually master or bachelor graduates, uh, but unfortunately, they they can't find uh, either they can't find job or they realize that uh, they don't enjoy what you know their degree would uh, lead them to do, and so they they basically reconvert to software engineering. And then, like you see, like now, like with uh, you know Trump trying to bring back manufacturing jobs to the U.S. But the truth is that these jobs never left, right? Like it's being replaced by robots. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You, have, you have so many industries that are being uh, disrupted by technology and the jobs are gone. And people, they need to be retrained. And like they can't pay like, and you know, it's hard to spend like five years or four years of your life uh, in an institution that won't even might get you a job or not, right? And uh, so yeah. that's also something about something. I mean, the, and then you have like the technical schools that are two-year program and which are cheaper, but it's two years. So it ends up probably, because do they get paid at, at, during their internship? Or is that usually yes. free? Yeah, so like the, yeah. the, the technical schools end up probably being almost more expensive because they they don't get paid for at least two years. And then they come out with, uh, and they might get meet okay jobs but nothing like what you guys mm-hmm. are delivering. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. But when you, when you, uh, and then you have a lot of also another thing that uh, is quite popular since few years, uh, it's coding boot camps. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like usually two or three months. Um, and the, like, it's good because um, it's short and 
for people who we want to get a quick shot at the tech industry, it's like basically a, you know, a quick try. But the issue is that it's training very, very, very junior profile yeah. who only know like a small amount of what is social engineering. And it's quite expensive between 15 to 20 grand for like three months. So it's wow. quite costly. Yeah. And, and, and some of them come out and they can't find a job because they are just too junior. And the one who finds job, the issue is like it's very low paid and low skilled. And because software, software is constantly evolving, you know, you cannot learn one programming language and then make a career out of it. It doesn't work this way. Like you constantly have to learn, you know, the last programming language, the last technology that is being used. And students coming out of these boot camps, they don't have enough foundation to do so. And so after a few years, you know, like they, they basically like, like, Either I get out of a job or like, you know, like don't grow in their career. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. That's why you have a nice, uh, lot long, fairly long training, but not too long in an internship where it's like low pressure. Um, you know, like mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be that good at the internship, but by the end of the internship, you know, they'll be hopefully production ready and yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm glad I got connected and, uh, I'll, so I'll send you and, uh, um, oh, and I forget her name. Um, yeah. Anita. Yeah. Anita. Um, yeah. Like the Sarah, the, the weekend before we posted, I'll send you guys an, a private link to the podcast and an, and an overview and that uh, you guys can review it and sign off on it. And then we'll, we'll post it. Um, if that sounds good, it'll probably be like four to six weeks before we post it. If that's okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's perfect. All right. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll be in touch if I ever uh, have anybody introduce you to or something. Never know. <laughs> yeah, let me know. All right, Dave. Thank All you. Right, have a good so day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.